Welcome back to the Hollow Sky Podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Steven. And Kyle. And I want to apologize today. I am battling some sort of head, chest, throat deal. So my voice sounds a little weird because of the shitty weather. But here we are. It's a fresh Monday. Thanks for hanging out with us. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that everybody's dealing with that. Yeah, my checks. Um, we're going to go in on another avenue uh, from last week's episode about the South Haven Park UFO cover-up. Uh, it takes a turn, but it circles back around. So if you haven't listened to that episode, be sure to go back and listen to last week's episode before we kick into this one. Uh, but before we get into that, we got to get through all the uh, business. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. Get into the business, so check us out at all social medias, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, Reddit, Discord, you know, anywhere. Search up Hollow Sky Podcast, come over, be part of the community, be part of the hollow cult, and just hang out and don't be a dick. So if, you, Hell yeah. <laughs> if you've got a uh, personal experience you'd like for us to share in a future show, Kyle's got some stuff you want to write down. You can use the holophone number, which is also... Active during the night shift, and that number is going to be one six one eight five five six zero eight three seven. You can write your story out, shoot it to the email. You can record yourself, shoot it to the email. Hit us up on socials, even though that's not highly recommendable. I, w- I would definitely go with the email at least if you're going to write it out. But that's going to be hollowskypodcast at gmail.com. We also have hollowskypodcastinterviews at gmail.com or hollowskyinterviews, whatever it is. Hollow Sky Interviews, that's it, at gmail.com, where you can try to set up an interview, which, like I said, we're kind of getting around to. We're doing a bunch of other stuff right now. And also, also, um, don't forget, Steve, we are we are brought to you by Dark Array Media now. Oh, yeah. I forgot that the people don't know. Yeah. So now you know. Uh, as of this past weekend, this past... Friday, whatever day it was, we signed the paperwork. We are we have started a media company to uh, put Hollow Sky under. So <clears throat> Hollow Sky is now brought to you by Dark Ray Media, which is also us. Yeah. So yeah, it's just us. Pretty neat. <laughs> but it's it's a step in the right direction of you know being a business. So that's exciting. Yeah. If you would like to support the show, there's tons of way to do it. Uh, first and foremost, uh, share the show wherever you can uh, through all of social media, word of mouth. You know how it is. Just keep keep the hollow sky, the hollow cult growing, and um, that's the best thing you can do. We also have a Patreon. You can go over there and check that stuff out. If there's anything that interests you over there, you can sign up for that. We have a Venmo if you'd like to pop some monster fund into that. We appreciate it. And uh, you can leave us a five-star rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts. Helps get the show kind of seen into algorithms. You know how all that stuff goes. If I find it and it's awesome, I will shout it out on a show. Today's is brought to us from the Great White North up in Canada from... The Nothing No One. The Nothing No One says, What an amazing and outstanding show. Five stars. <laughs> this is a good one. <clears throat> In the time of kings, they were considered royalty. 
never in the likes of all ages would they be considered any less. Their timber and tone reach far above and beyond those wretched ears that not wish to be graced by such harmony and voice. Alas, alas, I weep as angels might when the podcast ends, and thus there is no more. But hark, they yield again another episode like a sword, cutting through the strife of their competitor's throat. And blessed are they who can listen once more. Cam Clark. Well, man, I feel like we're in The Witcher or something. Like, <laughs> this is great. I need to hire somebody to read that off to start every yeah. episode off because that is uh, that 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 wins for the most creative review we've got. Pretty decent. That the nothing no one has now reached the likes of Bigfoot Bong Ripper. Awesome in the hall. Of reviews for Hollow Sky Podcast, the Hollow Halls. There you go. That's a good one. <clears throat> Today's uh, listener experience is brought to us by our friend from down under, Dave. Dave says, "Good day, you bloody legends." I submitted this story a while back, but I know my emails sometimes. Get misplaced, and I have no doubt that you guys are swamp of stuff. I hope you find room for this in your pod. If you need to cut it down, uh, let me know, and I'll give you a, a truncated version. I'll try to dial in on one of the night shift episodes when I can, but that usually means I'm at work in the middle of the day with the time difference. Stay weird, you guys, Dave. So from Australia, we have our friend Dave. G'day, guys. Dave from Australia again. It's been a while since I've submitted a story for the for the podcast. Uh, it's been a pretty busy year this year, and you know how time gets ahead of you. But uh, I thought now's uh, now's the time to do it with uh, the year wrapping up. Uh, so this ghost story is a personal ghost story of mine, and it actually involves a uh, another listener and submitter uh, to the podcast, uh, Nathan from from Brisbane, Australia. He's submitted a couple of UFO stories. So Nathan's actually my best mate. Uh, he lives in Queensland, in Brisbane. I live in Adelaide, South Australia. So. We're quite geographically dislocated, but during this instance, he actually flew down to, to Adelaide, uh, despite COVID restrictions, luckily he got through, uh, uh, to, spend a, to spend a weekend with me because we haven't seen each other in a while. Uh, so, you know, I was thinking of some cool, cool stuff that we could do while he was down here. Um, obviously, South Australia is good, uh, known for its uh, wine, so we went for a couple of uh, wine and brewery tours, but uh, because we're both interested in the paranormal and weird stuff, uh, both being... Uh, Listeners of this channel, we thought, uh, decide let's uh, let's go do some uh, some creepy stuff. So uh, I looked around and I found a, a tour of an old uh, place called Zed Ward in Adelaide. Now Zed Ward is a uh, it's a it's no longer running, but it used to be a mental asylum for the criminally insane. So basically, anyone that had committed a crime that couldn't be housed at the Adelaide jail because due to mental illnesses. I uh, would be sent to this establishment. Um, and there's this place, you know, like called uh, Haunted Horizons, I think it's called. Uh, and they do tours of this at night. Um, and we decided to go do uh, a ghost tour just to see what it would be like, have some fun that night. Um, so, yeah, you know, he came down. We went to the, uh, uh, we went out to the Zed Ward. Um, it was, uh, the tour started at eight o'clock. We got there and you look at this old thing and, Quite, uh, quite surprisingly, the old Zed Ward, like it's a heritage historical museum now, it's still actually in a, uh, right, it sits right behind a functioning uh, 
mental asylum. I don't know if that's what they call them now, but like a mental hospital. Uh, it's actually it actually right behind it and uh, it's sitting right behind this thing. So uh, and it's apparently riddled with paranormal paranormal and entities and ghosts and all that sort of stuff. So I think it's a bit uh, that'd be a bit uh, plaguing on the uh, the current mental uh, mental patients at that hospital if they're if they're seeing stuff. But anyway, I I, I go on. Um, so we went to this. We went to this uh, Z ward. Uh, we go into the uh, we go into the room now. Z ward itself, uh, if you see, if you look it up online, uh, it's not a big place. It's a two two story uh, two story building that has like a central compartment where the uh, the wardens and the guard, I suppose, would uh, would stay. And then off to each side, I think it was uh, the western and eastern wing. They had like a uh, they had like a, a wing or a hallway that had approximately, if I remember off the top of my head, about 20, 20 cells down each wing. So yeah, they could hold they could hold quite a few people in there. So anyway, we get there and we we met with the tour guide. And the first thing the tour guide says to us is, "All right, uh, we're going to go there with the ghost tour in about twenty minutes. But for the first twenty minutes, uh, it's time for you to go have an explore of the of the area." Um, we're not going to tell you about any of the history or anything to do with the place. Just go have a look. Uh, and if you're fucking, excuse my language, if you see anything or feel anything or something weird happens, just take note of it or where it happened or what cell, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and we'll talk about it when we get back. So we go off, we start exploring. Uh, and I think it was we, Nathan and I went down the West Wing uh, to a room on the bottom floor uh, now keep in mind we know nothing about this building um, and I've walked into this particular cell uh, and we went in there and immediately got like chilly cold um, now Adelaide during the winter it was around winter time does get cold um, but like I've gone there it was a noticeable difference in temperature I'm like oh that's cold and then I suddenly got lightheaded now I wasn't wasn't lightheaded like oh I was dizzy, needed to sit down, or I was about to faint. But like you know, you felt I felt that whole vertigo sort of feeling, lightheaded, slight headache, um, and it was kind of hard to breathe. Um, now I wasn't I wasn't sitting there gasping for air like I couldn't breathe, but like it became noticeably harder to breathe. Um, and I felt that, and I I told Nathan he's like he's like yeah I feel the temperature difference, but he didn't feel any of the, the lightheadedness or any of that stuff. So. We took a note of it and then we explored the building and 20 minutes later we went up with the tour guides with all the other, with all the other um, people on the tour. And the tour guide, she went around to all the people and it's like, oh, yep, did you feel anything or did you see anything? And they went around. A lot of people didn't see anything or feel anything and they got to a couple of people. They said, yeah, yeah. And then she got to me and she's like, oh, did you feel anything? I said, I said yeah, I went into this room. I can't remember the cell number. I think it was like G05, I think it was off memory, but I could be wrong. G05 for ground floor cell five. I said, yeah, I went to that. I went to that room. Immediately got cold and lightheaded and a uh, bit bit hard to breathe. She's like, oh, that's interesting. Uh, we'll get back to that later when we go when we get to that part of the tour. I'm like, oh, okay. So anyway, we go into the tour, um, and then she starts explaining the history. Now, the history of Zed Ward uh, is pretty uh, pretty nefarious. It opened up in like I think the late 1800s. Um, and it was operating all the way up to the 50s or 60s. I can't, I don't have my history on me right now, but um, yeah, but you can imagine in that time, they would have had a lot of mental mental patients when 
mental illnesses and you know uh, stuff like that wasn't really well known and the treatment of such patients probably wasn't as ethical or up to the standards that's uh, required today so i can imagine their treatment even though they were criminally insane so it was criminals that we held here i can't i couldn't imagine that they were treated overly well so anyway uh they're explaining now uh during the time that they're explaining nathan who was standing there actually saw something that he didn't think it was a think at the time now i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go down his story because that's his story to tell i didn't actually see anything this night uh but he he saw something while the tour guy was happening and he saw a couple of other things throughout the night so uh i won't elaborate on that that's his story to tell and hopefully he hears this and uh decides to submit part two to the story hopefully so nathan if you're listening how are you brother submit part two uh so going on um we go down to g05 again uh, with the tour guides and she explains that that wing or the west wing on the ground floor was where they held murderers, uh, people that had murdered but were considered uh, considered uh, insane or um, uh, you know had a mental illness and they you know they couldn't be housed at the jail and under the law at the time we had the uh, we still had uh, the death penalty at the time uh, but you know the mentally insane couldn't be uh, be executed so they were housed at Zedward uh, and she said strangely the room that you said housed a, a criminal for a long time, or a murderer for a long time, who would strangle his victims. Um, can't remember the name of the dude, but he was held in that cell and quite a few people over the, over the years had reported the same sort of feeling in that cell. Um, that, you know, the lightheadedness, the cold and the, um, and the, the difficulties, difficulties breathing. So uh, that was the first sort of interesting thing that I experienced that night. I'm like, okay, that's pretty cool. Um, so then we continued on, uh, we continued on with a tour. Uh, and as I said, Nathan saw a few more things, but again, won't elaborate. He, and we finished the main part of the tour, which was just the walking around tour guide thing where they explained the history, some of the stuff that was going on, blah, blah, blah. I, I didn't really experience any more of that part of the tour, but we had actually paid to do uh, an extended um, ghost investigation. So, after that, that initial two-hour tour, we stayed from about 10 o'clock till midnight. Um, and this, uh, tour, these tour guides had like all the, you know, the ghost, the ghost hunting equipment, you know, like the, the EMFs, the, 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 was it the ghost box, the oculuses and uh, all that other stuff to, uh, to see if we could actually capture or communicate and all that sort of stuff with any, any ghosts. Um, now, the first thing that they did, they turned on this thing called a, I think they called it a ghost box or an Oculus. I can't, it's, it's not that static thing that, you know, goes through all the radio channels and see if we can get dry out words. It's not that one, but this thing had like a preloaded vocabulary of words. I think they said they had 20,000 words on it and it would just randomly spit out words as it was going uh, that the, you know, an entity could uh, potentially use to, to try and communicate. Now, when she was turning this thing on, she said, when you when we first turn it on for the first ten minutes, um, it you know it doesn't really say anything, or if it does, we don't really trust it because it it you know it just uh, because it's still warming up, so to speak, is what she would say. Anyway, so we we turned it on, not expecting to hear anything, and then immediately like it just started rattling off words, and then for the first couple of first couple of minutes, it was nonstop just ran, rattling off random words, and she's like, oh, this never happens. This is weird. Um, and then it sort of slowed down or then stopped for a couple of minutes. She's like, okay, it's probably just having a fit or whatever, but whatever, we'll see how it goes. And then she, we started going around and then 
after about five minutes of it not doing anything, it spat out three words in succession. It said, David Tall, and then it said what I do for a job. Now, I don't want to say what I do for a job. I like to keep that private. Uh, But it said what I do for a living. Uh, And she sort of looked around the group and she said, does that mean anything to anyone? And I, I put my hand up and I'm like, yeah, my name's David. I'm the tallest one in this group and I'm actually what that thing just said I was. Um, and she's like, oh, that's 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 odd. Um, so, yeah, so immediately this thing had already sort of established what it was, and I'm like, there's no way that they could have preloaded it to the thing because I don't, I don't have my job on social media. Like, they didn't know that I was tall when I signed up for it. They had my name, obviously, because I had to give my name to get on the tour, but there was no way that they could have known I was tall or that I was what I, that I did what I did for a living uh, to lay that in. So that was the, the next weird thing. Uh, and then after that, we um, got the, oh, I can't remember what they're called. They're basically like little uh, sensors that pick up like, uh, it's not an EMF, it's the other ones that pick up like movements or heat signatures, et cetera, et cetera. It's actually attached to a, like a music box. Uh, a little bit creepy, I know, but like, you know, if it picks up something or senses something, it'll, it'll set, off a, set off a musical tone, which is a little bit creepy. Um, so... They said, oh, they gave us a couple each and we went around to the old places in the Z1, like go set it up and see if you can get any movement. So what do I do? I immediately go down to G05 where I experience all that stuff and I put one in the doorway to see if I could pick up anything. And we you know, we sat in the middle of the uh, of the, of the Z ward for about five minutes to see if we could pick up anything. And then all of a sudden, the music box in front of G05 just starts rattling on. Uh, playing the creepy little music, you know, those little music boxes with the little metal prongs, I suppose. And yeah, it was play, playing some creepy music. I think it was Ring Around the Rosie, so that, that's even more creepy. Uh, and so, yeah, we all went over to to, um, to the to the West Wing uh, and it was still playing. It was consistently going. There was no one in the doorway. We were standing about ten, back about 10, me- uh, 10 metres uh, and that thing can't pick up anything from 10 metres away. It can only pick up, you know, really in its direct vicinity. So it kept going. And I, you know, it stopped after a bit and then she started asking it questions. She's like, you know, um, yes is a long music play, no is a short music play. And then we just started asking questions and it, it, we got quite a few, quite a few responses from it. And it turns out it didn't really like me. It was one of the questions like, does, you know, does it like me? And it just said flat out, no, we asked it a couple of times and apparently it just played that short no couple of times so I'm like okay I'm not like here um which is a little bit creepy but I was like whatever it can't do anything to me because it's invisible or doesn't have any physical entities to hit me with so um yeah continuing on uh the the last part of the night was what they called a locking um and what they would do is uh, each person got to go into a cell for five minutes alone and they'd lock you in the cell and see if you could uh you know, experience everything. And during that five minutes, everyone had to be completely silent, uh, just listen and see if they could feel anything. Now, during the tour at the toilet block, um, they call it the room of mirrors because you go in there and there's just mirrors everywhere for like the inmates to use, like sinks and you know, do whatever they need to do in the mirror. And that was the only place in the Z ward that had mirrors um, uh, for obvious reasons, of course. But um, yeah, a lot of reports have come out of there, like people seeing like, actual shadows walking in the mirrors, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And she actually says, like, if anyone's going to go into the, um, into the room, 
it needs to be in pairs. She wouldn't let anyone stay alone in the room of mirrors uh, by themselves. So me being me and Nathan being somewhat a little bit freaked out at this point in time because he's seen a few things. I immediately said to the whole group, like, is anyone else going into the uh, hall of mirrors or the room of mirrors? And no one said anything. So I'm like, sweet, Nathan, you're coming with me. And he was like, ah, damn it. Uh, so I dragged his poor ass into the, uh, into the room of mirrors and yeah, we got locked in there for five minutes just to see if what we could hear. Now, not much happened for the first couple of minutes. Then we both heard what we thought was like a, a distant scream. Now, what I thought first thought it was, I thought it was a, uh, you know, like a truck air brake as they're, uh, you know, as they're using their air brakes and it lets out that like, almost screaming sound. I, I thought it was that off in the distance. Um, but then when we got out there, some other people confirmed that they also heard the scream and so did Nathan. Um, and then they, it was definitely a scream. But uh, interestingly, a couple of the other people in the group thought they heard Nathan and I talking and they, they, they were actually quite annoyed with us. They were like, you were supposed to be quiet the whole time. And all we did was hear you guys talking in the, in the room of mirrors. And we both said it's like we were dead silent the whole time. We were not talking. We were just dead silent, just trying to listen to stuff. Uh, I think, you know, both Nathan and I at that time were so freaked out. We wouldn't have been able to talk if we wanted to. So uh, that was the sort of the last freaky thing that, that happened to us that night before we went on the way. Now, as I, as I said, uh, the Nathan did see, actually see a few things that night. So um, hopefully, uh, hopefully he comes onto the... Uh, onto the program and uh, gives his uh, gives his version of events uh, to see what he uh, to see what he had to say. But yeah, Nathan, if you're there, get on the show. Uh, thanks, guys. That's it from me. So it's uh, another long one. Uh, I like to I like to ramble on, but uh, yeah, hope it's uh, hope it's good for use and uh, catch you guys around. Stay weird. Cheers, Dave. Thanks so much for submitting your story. Um, first off, yeah, Nathan, if you listen, you gotta call in and fill in, fill in the blanks there. But uh, definitely a strange encounter, Dave. Um, it's weird. The first thing that stood out to me was where you were feeling the problems breathing also kind of correlated with the uh, criminal that was executed who had previously murdered people by strangling them. That's kind of a weird little connection to put together. Um, it's also strange that whatever these entities are seems to kind of have a connection to you and know you on, uh, not necessarily a personal level, but seem to know things about you, which is a little bizarre. Yeah. It's like they had Google or something. Yeah. Able to just, uh, absolutely pinpoint everything about you. Just tie in, tie in maybe. I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. We're hoping to be able to uh, go on some investigations this year, uh, panning everything, working out time-wise and everything else, but I haven't been on one in a while. So hearing stories like this, it actually has some... Results? Yeah, results of... Actually, some action, I guess, is the word. I can't think of a better word for it, but kind of lights that fire inside me again. But yes... Nathan, if you if you hear this and you wanna you wanna put in your two cents on the the same experience, please definitely do. So we are going to jump in 
to part two of the South Haven UFO park cover-up. So if you have not listened to last week's episode, be sure to go back there and listen to it. Not the night shift, but the actual episode released on Monday. So definitely check it out. I'll recap it a little bit, but you, you're going to want to listen to that before you listen to this. You can listen to this as a standalone, but it, it ties itself together in a weird way with last week's episode. Um, the South Haven Park UFO cover-up took place in the early 90s in Long Island at South Haven Park. There was some sort of air vehicle crash. And witnesses had seen what they believe is a UFO go down. It caught the park on fire. The park was closed off. Pretty much all the UFO tropes. They wouldn't let anybody in. There was unmarked vehicles watching everyone. Uh, John Ford went in and investigated the site, saw weird radiation anomalies, weird uh, magnet anomalies. And he ended up in jail in this weird turn of events where supposedly he was planning on murdering members of the local government by poisoning them with radiation. So it's a whole thing. You're going to want to go back and check on that. But today's show is going to seem completely uh, unconnected until... We wrap it up. So this part of the story revolves around a man by the name of Gary Sudbrink. Gary's case is really weird. I've got a bunch of three or four phone audio recordings that I want to start out. I took from the YouTube channel uh, Pandox. You want to go over there and check him out. He does a really good breakdown of this whole this whole scenario here. He does really good voice analysis and everything. I just just clipped the exact calls. It was the only place I could find a good recording of the exact calls that Gary had had recorded. So credit for those calls go to uh, Pandox. Definitely check them out. So Gary, let's talk about Gary. He was a captain in the Air Force in San Antonio, Texas. He worked uh, part-time at a local pharmacy there. So one weekend in 1993, keep that noted, that's pretty close to when the... Uh, South Haven Park UFO supposedly crashed. He decided to take some leave and surprise his family, fly back home and just see them. He didn't tell anyone about it. He did not uh, mention it to anyone. He simply wanted to fly in for the weekend, see his parents, see his siblings, and just hang out, but he wanted it to be a complete surprise. So he booked his flight, and he made his way to the airport. From here, things take off on a wrong foot. While he was at the airport in Texas, Gary says that he's approached by a man with a clipboard who proceeds to ask him all kinds of questions. Ask him his name, the exact way to spell it, where he's going, where he lives, all sorts of other personal information. Gary just assumes that this guy is maybe some kind of of salesman who's moving through the airport, taking taking people's information to contact them later, this, that, and the other. He just kind of put it to the back of his mind and went and boarded his plane. Shortly after he had sat down, a different man carrying a similar clipboard sits right next to him. This man 
also begins to ask Gary tons and tons of personal information. Gary asks the new clipboard guy just to leave him alone. He just wants to wants the flight to go without a hitch. He doesn't want to be bothered anymore. He's getting aggravated at this point that these people won't leave him alone. Eventually, a stewardess approaches second clipboard guy and asks to see his ticket and told him, this isn't even your seat. You need to move. So clipboard guy gets up and moves away. But shortly afterward, he seated himself behind Gary, where again, he continued the same line of questioning, just grilling Gary about everything, all of his personal life. Once again, the stewardess stops the man and he's moved. At this point, Gary's getting kind of rattled by these guys harassing him so much. He so much so that when they landed, he called his landlord and asked her to keep an eye on the apartment while he was away. Because like the one is a coincidence or two things are shady, but when they just keep, keep barraging him with these questions, he's like, something's up. Where is Gary flying to? Long Island, New York, where the UFO had just crashed weeks previous. So as Gary arrives in New York, he went to his parents' house. From there, he called his friend Mike, who he was hoping to surprise with the news that he was in town. However, when Mike answers the phone and they begin conversing, Mike says, what... You know, they're, they're talking. He's like, yo, I'm back in town. Uh, surprise, you know, let's get together and go out, go out for some drinks or whatever. Mike says to him, what are you talking about? You told me yesterday you were coming to New York when you called me. So Gary's like, no, I didn't. He's like, yeah, you totally did. You called. We were discussing it. You called me, said you're coming to New York. Don't have any plans. You were going to want to hang out. And Gary's like, that is not it. So... It became obvious to Gary that someone had called his friend pretending to be him and had told him about his trip from Texas to New York a day prior. Mike swore that he wasn't joking around, so Gary assumed that it was all just some weird coincidence. As they're chatting, Gary reported that a call started to come in on their his parents' second line. So Gary lands in New York, goes to his parents' house to stay, calls Mike, wants to get together, Mike says, yeah, I already know. It's not a surprise you told me yesterday. So as this second call comes in, Gary would answer the call on Monday, February 8th, 1993 at 10.30 p.m. This is the call that Gary got. Yes. I'll tell you who it is. Yeah. Do you want to speak to him? Here's Gary's son drinking there. Yeah, who's this, Steven? Are you playing games with me or what? Huh? Steven, if you're playing games, I'm gonna kick your ass. So how long are you going to be back from Texas? Huh? You're being impersonated by the other voice. Yeah, this is you, Steven, you idiot. You're pissing me off. Jerk. I'm gonna get you once. Let's see what it says. Review. One new call out of area. Is Steven out of the area? Are you going to be back from Texas? Wait, say that again? You are being impersonated by the other voice. Wait, hold on. 
Is Stephen out of the calling area or what? What do you mean you don't know? He's in Queens. I don't know who the fuck. Hello? Who is this? What was that again, sir? You were being impersonated by the other voice. No, oh, be quiet, Alf, huh? Sorry, would you see that again? Hello? Imp being impersonated by what voice? Hello? Yeah. Hello? There's Gary drink in there. Yeah, hold on a second. Yeah, what is your question? I'll answer it. So how long were you going to be back from Texas? How long will you be impersonated by the other voice? Right. When am I coming back? Is that your question? Okay, there was a break. Hold on. You want to know when I'm coming back to Texas? Oh, is that your question? So how long are you going to be back from Texas? How long am I going to be back from Texas? That question doesn't make any sense. By the other voice. Okay. I'll be coming back eventually. Um, I can't tell you when. You should know that question, the answer to the question, because you seem to know more about me than I do. You know what I'm saying? Are you an intergalactic uh, person? Are you an, a space alien? Sounds like you hung up. I can't believe this. It's he hung up, Gary. Did? See if he comes back. All right, I'll hang up. So, pretty unnerving, right? Yeah, it's definitely bizarre because it sounds like the dude's on a loop yeah there his there's... voice is is pretty deep which you know it is what it is there but it sounds like it's on a loop and it just doesn't make any sense so yeah that's that's my so before we get into it there's a couple things that i want to point out here it definitely sounds like it's pre-recorded yeah and it sounds like it's been slowed down which will lower the tone right it also, when he says the word other, it's got a thick New York accent. The other voice. The other voice. Right. You're being impersonated by the other voice. So it sounds like someone from New York. Why did they automatically jump to the conclusion, like, are you a space person? Because that's weird. So... uh Clearly, if anybody got a call, oh yeah, some other things I want to point out here. I know we always get drugged through the ringer for not being more skeptics, but um, the fact that he recorded the call right off the rip is weird to me. Yeah. Because either he had gotten a previous call to where he was planned for this, or 
he's the luckiest dude in the history of the world being yeah, ready to record this shit. That's kind of like <laughs> with the alien question. Like, I feel like there's context missing that we're not privy to currently. And you're right. Like, normal people wouldn't just answer a call and, and instantly start recording. That's just not that just unless it's like you said, there's there's got to be some type of precursor that would warrant that. Or this dude is that paranoid about something. Yeah. So if anybody gets those, are, those are my two red flags. The you can tell he's whoever the caller is has a New York accent, and that the Sudbrinks were ready at his dad's house to record these phone calls. But regardless, getting a call like that is enough to freak anybody out. Oh yeah. Period. The yeah. fact that. Like the fact that the caller knows enough about Gary's life is weird enough in itself. The fact that he didn't tell anybody in his circle that he was coming back, but yet whoever's on this call knows he is back from Texas. Yeah. And <clears throat> furthermore, to lead credence to you saying that it's a New Yorker accent, like it. Because Gary has a little bit of a New York accent, right? Yeah. 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 And that's... So, to be impersonated, you it would have to be good enough and close enough that his buddy would believe that it's him. Right? Because if, like, somebody could call and say, like, oh, hey, I'm Steve, and I'm doing... I'm be like, no, you're not. You're dumb. Like, your your voice is not even remotely close. Yep. It has to be somebody with a close enough... Close enough vernacular and, and furthermore furthermore if if they're as good of buddies as they imply you're also going to pick up on cues you know yep. tone verbiage choice of words how you construct your sentence like the whole thing like it you, the, everybody talks in, in a particular manner so it's i feel like it is definitely harder to initially trick someone by voice you know what i mean like it just and, and over a phone call people who are really good buddies i don't know like it mannerisms are very very important in conversation and you imagine if the conversation went how it was how they said it went like oh i'm gonna surprise you and be in town they probably shot the shit for a while considering yeah. they're old friends yeah they probably talked about some stuff and this whoever was on this phone call was convincing enough yeah it would have to be a pleasantry too like a yeah like oh yeah like i'm coming to hang out with you you wouldn't be like exactly i'm just coming to hang out with you exactly and like i said they have to be involved or keep an eye on gary enough to know that he would be back in long island first off they would have to know that gary was stationed and living in texas because they mentioned that as well they would also have to know Gary's parents' phone number, yeah, to call the house even right off the rip. So I mean, I mean, right off, right off the bat, man, you you're looking at a government entity. It's got to be right to have this much insight. And, and unless yeah, it was had or somebody that had. Well, you would say somebody that had information via the military, but even I guess he could have planned. He could have let people know. Sure. On that side that he was going to be out of town. Sure. Um, but to know the exact dates, I mean, that's... Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess that's not... No, really. I mean, because if he did report, he'd be like, yeah, I'm flying out. 
on this day, you know, I'm going to be there. I'm going to surprise. I mean, I, I guess it is possible. He could have had a conversation with somebody close enough on the base to do that. To be like, yeah, I'm going to go meet my buddy. You know, we're going to hang out. I'm going to surprise him. I'm not going to tell him I'm showing up and yada, yada, yada. But considering he didn't give a whole lot of information to the people in New York, makes it a little weird because yeah, the caller is sure. clearly from has a Long Island accent. Right. The and they they'd have to have I don't know what it I don't know what it would have took back then to yeah, to be privy was, to ninety three was so long ago yeah. I even had to look up because I'm like trying to find holes in Gary's story I'm like did they have call waiting in nineteen ninety three I looked up I'm like well sure as fuck they did well so, you you need some type of audio tech to slow his voice down and pre record yeah, it yeah some so, sort of some sort of multi track and I don't I don't feel like I mean I guess you could have like, because yeah. I'm I I it's it would be you could you could do it on cassette because I think that's why there's such weird pauses. I feel like whoever's doing this is like rewinding and then playing and then Maybe. rewinding and then playing. Maybe yeah. You'd have to be pretty on pretty on spot though. Yeah. Um. Granted, this caller didn't give a whole lot of information. The caller did let out enough that it would creep out anybody that somebody's watching him. It should. On the same uh, aspect that we were talking about, this is pre-recorded. The caller did not respond to any of the questions asked. Yeah, they didn't directly respond. It was just it was just the same set of words over and over again, just kind of s- talking in circles, repeating the same phrases. And it's not even it's not even coherent phrases either. Like no, like you, you wouldn't structure a sentence that way. And the way the way that he talked, he, I feel like it was slowed down. But he he even talked like with deep enunciations of words. You're being impersonated by the other voice, right? You know that way they could hear and make out exactly what he was saying. Other notes, that's, that's what's so random. Like the, those two phrases there, where he he's like he's asking how long you're going to be in New York or whatever, essentially. And then he goes right to you're being impersonated, like which which immediately ties into. The call that Mike got. So Mike got right. a call from somebody impersonating impersonating Gary. Yeah. And then while he's on the phone with Mike, somebody calls in and says, hey, you're being impersonated by the other voice. That's uh, so weird. It's bizarre. Uh, some other notes here you might be asking yourself. Steven, the guy they're accusing of fucking around, is Gary's older brother. There's three uh, Sudbrink boys. I'll go into that later. The woman you heard in the background is Gary's mother. And Gary's father, Bill is the other man who jumps on the line and asks, are you an, inter- an intergalactic person? Yeah, are which you is space really alien? bizarre. You'll, it'll it'll tie back in later. So less than an hour later, at 11.10 p.m., the phone rings again. Gary answers the phone and began recording. Here is the second call. Yes, uh, speaking. Yes. Can I answer any questions for you? Are you back from Texas? I'm not back yet, no. How long are you going to be back from Texas? Let me answer. First, you tell me where are you calling from? Yeah, why don't you tell me where you're calling from? 
sisters. What do you mean, who is this? You should know who it is. It's me, Gary. Uh, wait, let me, let me ask you this question. Where are you calling from? Okay, I'll be back. Excuse me? I can't hear too well. Yeah, it is a full moon out. That's true. Could you identify yourself? Identify yourself. Why are you calling me? Excuse me? I cannot hear too well. Hold on, let me switch phones. Okay. Okay, hold on. Now, who are you? Keep an eye in the sky, he said. Keep an eye in the sky? Yeah. Okay, hold on. Uh, say that, repeat that again. Please repeat. Okay. Near Orion. Near Orion. Holy mackerel. Tonight or this one? The full moon. Repeat. Follow my life. Okay, repeat last word. I'm hearing static. How am I like to talk? He hung up. He hung up. Hello. So again, another strange call. This one began almost identical to the last one with the statements and phrases, but then it takes a weird turn. Uh, on an interesting note, the length of this call was almost identical to the first call. Almost down within like 15 seconds. <clears throat> While they're repeated phrases, the call tends to lean toward the inquiries from the first call, the intergalactic people, because they use phrases. I know it was hard to hear, but the new phrases lean toward, toward outer space. Keep an eye on the sky the full moon near Orion and near the full moon, it'll show a double of you. So it's not a complete rehash of the first call, but given that it was almost an hour, that's more than enough time to record a few new phrases. If it were a prankster fucking with Gary, right? Or if it were Gary creating this all in himself, it's weird. It is. It is weird. Because I'm trying to wrap my brain around 
all of it. And it, it what was it, what was even more bizarre was the way the the mannerism that they were trying to take with the caller because that's what that's what started to make this more interesting to me is because it clearly shows um missing pieces to the puzzle right now and whether we get them or not it's it the fact that he kept trying to come up with com- commands i thought i felt the same way cuz figure f- it out at first he says say that again then he corrects himself repeat Repeat that again. Yeah. Repeat that. Repeat That's that. That's weird. That's a weird way. I thought the same thing when I was listening to it again. To communicate, it's, you know, unless it unless it would be with some type of. I don't even I don't know, know if they would have like voice automated tech back then. I mean, I'm sure they do it at some point, but I don't know if it'd be readily available to just anybody. Right. So now it's taking a turn into space. So what's with all the. F- it sounds like they're in a train or a plane or something. What's I don't know. With the noise? I don't know if it's background noise from the recording because, like, from from the actual recording, I mean, it was 1993, so I don't, it was probably just trash recording. Could be. Trash cassette recording. Because I imagine they were trying to record it on some sort of cassette player. Or, right. Uh, not a voicemail machine, but you know what I'm... Yeah, 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 yeah. <clears throat> But that being said, less than 10 minutes later, the phone rings again, and it is the mysterious caller. So here is call three. Okay. Yeah, it's taking time from the talk. Who is this? Stephen, this is not funny, you know. Brian, it's not Stephen. What do you mean, Brian? I mean, uh, Gary. How do I know it's not Steven? It's not Steven. Hello? I had a uh, UFO experience in West Virginia, which you probably know. And I know that you're into uh, an intergalactic person. Can you speak a little louder? Sir? Can you speak a little louder? Louder? Let me speak to him, Dad. I guess I don't know what. All right, I'll hang up so you can talk to me. He wants to talk to you. Okay. Hello, can I help you? Hello. Yes. Yes, that's me. Yes. Could you please identify yourself? Identify. Yeah, I'm back. I'm in Texas right now. Oh, he asked me a question. No, I'm in New York right now. You know that. Why are you asking me such a question? Yes. Stephen, if this is you, um, I swear to God, I'm going to be pissed. Huh? I'm trying to listen to him. Who are Excuse me? Okay. Uh, eventually, I'll be back from Texas. Uh, could you speak more? Please speak more. 
Why is this not Stephen? I believe it because I'm getting static. Three times. Well, let me go on this phone because I can never hear on this phone. Hold on. Okay. Okay, please speak. Hello? Okay. Should I go out right now? Right now? Okay, see, I'm not sure where Orion is now, but we'll go outside. It would show double from me. Repeat that again. Again, with the creepy calls, but this one just seemed to be a rehash of the last call, which if you take into consideration the amount of time between these, the second and third call, which was only eight minutes, uh, that does, that wouldn't have been enough time for them to, to even record new material, essentially, you know, right. it's almost like they're just keeping them on the hook in a weird, uh, coincidence the third call is also almost the same length as the first two. Um, that was the end of the calls for that day specifically, but less than 24 hours later, there would be a fourth and final call to Gary Sudbrink. So on Tuesday, February 9th, 1993 at 1021 PM, the fourth call comes into the Sudbrink household and this is it. Yes, this is me. Can I speak to you? Can I ask why you're... Yes, can I ask why you're calling? Can I please ask... Yes, this is... Yes, that is me. To be within this planet. Say that again. And this planet. Leave. I'm staying right here. Is this a joke or what? something I've been listening to you and I've had contacts with you 
government interference? You have? Please explain what type of interference. side of the moon. Okay, um, what branch of the government? What, uh, what should I do? or bad. They hung up. Yeah. So how you feeling about that one, Kyle? <laughs> it's weird, man. Like I just I don't you can tell the father is crazy vested in this being an extraterrestrial. Uh, there were only a few repeat phrases from the earlier calls just asking for Gary in Texas. Uh, most of the phrases in this call were definitely new, also heavily laden with UFO and space-type jargon. We come to be within this planet. To visit the mini is to be or as to be contacted as the same with you. Uh, the sun will rise on the dark side of the moon. It also kind of kind of pokes some conspiracy vibes into it with government interference, beware, visitations to be disrupted by them. So it's almost like they know that Gary's dad is deep in it and they're kind of playing into that. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't. There's just so much that doesn't make sense. Like there's so there's so much context missing. There has to be, yeah. Because none of it adds up. You know why? Why are they contacting Sudbring? Why? Yeah. And why him of all people? Especially Gary. If his if his dad is the one that's in all of this, why are they doing this to Gary specifically? Outside of the military connections, I don't know why. But again, I want to kind of kind of take back to the points that make this a little bit weird. So, you know, how did Gary know to record the first call? There there are many options here uh, outside of it being a prank, being being set up by them. Uh, it could be that the caller had called before and we're just not privy to that. It could be that Gary's dad is so deep into this, yeah. he might record all of his calls. 
you know, if he's into the conspiracy world, that's that's not, that's not a far reach there. Yeah, that's true. Uh, also, again, I want to point out the New York accent was weird, kind of pulled me out of it a little bit. And the fact that after Gary's dad, Bill, asked if the caller is an intergalactic person, then they kind of double down on the, the UFO yeah. shit. Yeah. So I wanted to point that out, that there are some red flags to this. Um, there's a bunch of theories we could go into that Gary perpetrated the whole th- hoax himself considered that the caller all seemed like the phrases were pre-recorded and slowed down. You already know that they have multiple phones yeah. in the home. It's not out of the question that Gary could have recorded these himself and played them out on another phone. This clearly is the first thing people were, were going to debunk. If you go again to Pandox's YouTube page and look up the Gary Sudbring calls, they do a good job analyzing the voices they sped up the calls to the same speed that Gary spoke at during the call. The voice did not sound very similar. They were clearly different when they are sped sped to the exact same speed. People took the word Texas and ran it through a spectrograph to show vis- visualizations of the audio. Since both Gary and the caller said that word, you can compare it. You can use a comparison tool to kind of normalize the cross-correlation of both files. They showed that the two phrases contain less than a 30% similarity to one another. So that's pretty low. Yeah. To just be going off the cuff and saying the same word. So it kind of excludes Gary from being the one who is the caller. The voices are all all but not the same. You know, they're, they're pretty much excluded themselves from being the same. In the first few calls, you heard Gary accusing the caller of being Stephen. Stephen is the older brother of Gary. There were three boys in the Sud- Sudbrink family, Stephen, Gary, and Brian. It's noted by family and friends that none of the boys were known to be pranksters. Not that that eliminates them from doing it, but it would be out of character if they decided to perpetrate this. Right. So this leads to some more weirdness here. Gary's older brother, Stephen, would bring this up years later after people started looking at the call. Stephen stated that several years before the calls happened, he was driving to a wedding on Long Island when he was passed by Gary on the highway. Stephen states that Gary made several strange and distorted faces at him as he drove past. He states that as soon as Gary noticed that he had gotten Stephen's attention, he gunned it and sped off. When Stephen confronted Gary about it, Gary stated that he was in Long Island at the time, but he was not invited or go went to the wedding or even on the road as he did not have a car at the time. So this doubles down on the doppelganger out there that is Gary. Uh, well... I genuinely have a problem with that statement. How in the fuck are you driving and passing each other and you're able to catch several distorted faces? Unless he slowed down. Yeah, it would have to be in like a town setting. Which, like I said, I mean, it's weird that we do this right now because the same thing happened to me on 255 when I thought I saw Brandon. Right. Because we made eye contact and it was long enough to keep pace. Yeah. And then as soon as, like, the pace broke, he sped away, which I thought was weird. And now reading it again, I'm like, okay, that's fucking weird. That is weird. 
and it does tie into the calls, meaning you know you're being impersonated by the other voice, and it but it will like show a double legit you. impersonation. Yeah, like, and it will show a double of you. Yeah, that's weird. So why? And what it say? The the moon will sh- the full moon will show a double of you. Yeah, well they they were kind of separated. It said the full moon, and then it said show double of you. So it was oh. like broken up. Because it made me wonder if it had something to do with the cycles of the moon. Which they they did say when the calls were happening that there was a a new moon just a couple days prior, which kind of ties into the sun shining on the dark side of the moon. But again, it brings us back to why is someone impersonating Gary? Why is there why is there even a doppelganger of Gary out there? Yeah. You know, to to show itself to Gary's brother and then years later show its or call Gary's friend and impersonate Gary over the phone is just so fucking weird. It's so fucking weird. Yeah, it makes me have this whole like alien vibe from the X File, the bounty hunter alien that could morph into other people yeah. and it's like there's all this deception and yeah. and who, who the it's fuck like, were the guys at the airport before anything even happened yeah. that are bombarding him? Asking him all these and personal there's, there's questions. There's something in Gary's military career that we're not. They're testing him for something just to see it. Maybe see how far off the rails his old man is or some shit. I, I don't, don't know, know, dude. I don't know. So um, I'm getting close to wrapping it up here. And you're wondering how, how does this tie in right to the South Haven UFO park crash? Well, Gary's dad, Bill, and his uncle, Tom, had previously had claims of encountering UFOs, as Bill had mentioned in one of the calls. You know that I saw a UFO in West Virginia. Uh, he and Tom were coming home. He from also work. stated that he's been talking to them. Bill. Oh. Said he's uh, been listening to them or whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He and Tom were coming home from West Virginia on May 28, 1989, when they noticed a strange object flying while they were driving. It made two separate appearances when the brothers pulled over and decided to take out their video camera and film the craft if it made a third appearance, which it ultimately did. On the film, it's noted that the brothers did film a bright light overhead. The video was only four seconds long, and upon reviewing the footage, Bruce Maccabee, an optical physicist and a MUFON investigator, came to the conclusion that although there is an unknown light in the footage, no substantial determination could be made as to whether it was an artifact on the film or an actual object in the sky. So they're they're delving into the UFO world already. They got their fingers in it right. prior to. This would lead the brothers to join the Long Island UFO Network, which was created by John Ford, the man who investigated the South Haven Park crash. In 1992, they would help the investigation of the South Haven Park UFO crash, tying them directly to John Ford. So they helped investigate the crash, and then less than six weeks later, Gary gets the calls. Which seems a little sus. A little bit. Until you bring it back around to the end of the last episode where Steve Laverone, who is the VP of the Long Island UFO Network, stated prior to the calls happening that he was being surveilled and his home was being broken into and being harassed, so much so that strange computer-like voices were leaving messages on his answering machine. So that means 
he was encountering whatever was doing this to Gary. That's the tie that I made. Yeah. It's almost like it's almost like whoever had their hands in this South Haven UFO crash has all these entities trying to discredit them. Yeah, and that could be entities, that could be government entities. It could be men in black. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of possibilities here. You know, there there it like legitimately my gut doesn't point right to extraterrestrial unless unless the only thing the only way that that makes sense to me would be if these boys covering the South Haven incident got inside there inside that quarantine zone and they were either privy to something made contact with something took something there would have to be some reason to have attention drawn at you right yeah. from these yeah. extraterrestrial beings and then we're looking at it from that angle yeah. right now the extraterrestrial unless it was something so legit either in the extraterrestrial world or something that that they had let crash that they just want to discredit everyone who managed to get in there and see it. The only thing that I can think that would tie Gary, that maybe he had a high enough connection in the air force in Texas that he might be able to go in via the military and dig up some shit on this. True. Possible. Definitely possible. And also could be, it, I mean, the, the fucking government could have been using it as an opportunity to start learning about disinformation campaigns, start oh, yeah. start mess like messing with these guys to see what they could do, what they could get away with, what type of manipulation they could come up with. You know, there oh, there's such a like a, such a vast amount of possibilities here because there's not enough concrete evidence in any direction. Like in no in no matter which direction you go, and it, like the dude surveying him in the beginning, that doesn't make any sense. No, no. And I mean, could it be just two separate things happening that just happened to, to cross paths? Maybe. Possible, but, but what, how are you that houndy? Yeah, yeah. To be wanting to dig into this dude. Well, yeah, and like the survey guys, when somebody tells you to fuck off. Yeah. Especially, and you know damn good and well, New Yorkers, yeah, they, he probably he legitimately said, get it. the fuck out of here. Yeah. Right? But in the fact that they keep pressing, they keep pressing. That there's a million other people standing around. There's other people on the plane. There's other people in the airport. There's other people everywhere. Why double down on this dude right here? And to be, or maybe maybe they used Gary because of his military background made it made it seem like he was more credible. Maybe they're trying to use him to discredit his old man. Could be. Where the old man was like, yeah, you know, I saw a UFO. And it reminds me of the old pilot from Independence Day. You know, he had yeah. all this shit going yeah. on and nobody believed him right. until it was until there. Until it was go time, yeah. Yeah, because now you have you have this old this old man who has and seen a convinced. UFO. He's convinced, yeah. you can tell. He's investigated UFOs, and now he just happens to be getting calls from aliens to his house. Like, yeah, and that's extremely convenient. Yeah. So I, it's it's a bizarre case. I don't have the answers, but I just wanted to put it out there. There's red flags in all directions. Hollow Cult, you, you make up your own minds on this one. Let me know what you think. I know we had some listeners that are in the area. If uh, anybody knows the Sudbrink family or has any more information on this, 
as to their their background or their validity, please let us know. Um, but yeah, I thought it was weird, and the fact that it tied in to the the old South Haven UFO crash is is bizarre. It is weird. It's it's weird. The fact that old Steve Laverone was getting the same, essentially you can assume that it's the same sort of calls yeah, yeah. to his house means whatever happened in that park, they want to mass discredit people who are trying to look into it. Which, I mean, would almost suggest that these dudes saw something. I mean, if you're going to go that far out of your way to make these dudes sound and look crazy... Yeah, I mean, one of it's them... It's because somebody one of them got is, something. One of them's still in... In, in a mental institution now. Yeah. 30, what is it, 30 years later? Right. And the fact that it happened within six weeks of the crash that this goes on, it's, it's that's fucking weird. Man. Yeah, I would agree. That's weird. But yeah, that's that hollow cult. Hope, hope you enjoyed. Hope it perks your Monday up. Get your brain turning a little bit. So until we meet again, check us out at all our social medias, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, Reddit, Discord, come and hang out. Be part of the Hollow Cult. And until we meet again, stay safe, stay weird. And if you get the men in black calling you and leaving you messages, be sure to record it so we can talk about it. <laughs>